Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Angel Brown of Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care in Dalton. I'll tell you, Dr. Brown, it's great having you here. Thanks for being on the show. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Brown is a pulmonologist at Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care at 1243 Broderick Drive, Dalton. Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care houses three physician specialties, infectious diseases, pulmonology, and palliative care. Dr. Brown completed her fellowship training at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. As part of Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care, Dr. Brown provides treatment for respiratory diseases, including asthma, bronchitis, COPD, occupational lung diseases, lung cancer, and pulmonary fibrosis. Dr. Brown, can you tell us more about what kind of treatments you provide to your patients? Absolutely. Like you mentioned, pulmonary medicine or pulmonology, it encompasses all diseases that impact the airway and that starts at your nose and goes down into your lungs. It also impacts types of treatments or um, symptoms, so shortness of breath, coughing, chest discomfort. In addition to those, I do treat asthma, which is a disease typically found in childhood, but essentially is an inflammation or swelling on the inside of your airways that's usually caused by inhaling something your airways do not like. Also COPD, which is also chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and this is traditionally thought of as smoking-related. In addition, cystic fibrosis, which is an unfortunate genetic or inherited condition that infects the lungs by creating lots of mucus, um, more mucus than your body can handle, as well as disease to your pancreas. Tuberculosis, which is a very contagious infection that happens in the lung. Lung cancer, like we mentioned and we'll discuss later. Pulmonary fibrosis, which is a form of interstitial lung disease that causes scarring. Bronchiectasis, which is a unusual disease. I've never heard of that before. And so that's actually seen in older individuals and it can be caused by recurrent pneumonias or lung infections due to repeated insults. Your airways actually remodel similar to you do to your house. But when it's the airways, it's a very bad thing. Ooh. So instead of being nice and smooth and shaped like cylinders, they become big and lumpy and dilated. And those lumps and bumps and what we call outpouching of your airway mm-hmm. make it very easy for bacteria to settle in and mucus to settle in. And those individuals, unfortunately, are prone to infections and sometimes have to be on antibiotics every day of their lives. Oh my goodness, really? So bronchiectasis is a rare but serious condition, and it is one of the many things that pulmonologists treat. I remember when you and I talked a few weeks ago, and uh, I recall that you mentioned that when you were a, a young girl that you thought you might have had an asthma attack. So when I was small, I had what people consider now as exercise induced or cold induced, but I actually was diagnosed with asthma. I was still a bit of a tomboy with three big brothers. And so I would frequently play football and Mm -hmm. things like that out in the cold. And I'd come inside barely able to breathe, which didn't bother me as much as my mom and ended up in the emergency department or the pediatrician's office a lot of nights as a child. Is that right? (laughs) And asthma, again, it's usually diagnosed in childhood, but it is a lifelong disease. Um, You don't outgrow it. Your symptoms just become more manageable and you learn your triggers so you control it better. Well, you said that uh, that that was such a big deal in your life 
that you remember that to this day. Absolutely. And that has helped you in, in what you do to help other people that have asthma. Absolutely. So, yes, I definitely remember, and I remember Very the, scary. the worry on my mom's um, face. Yes. Having had an asthma attack, you never forget it. Uh, I haven't had anything similar to when I was a child, but I do remember the sensation and like someone squeezing you and you just can't take a breath. It is something that impacted and it is probably why I went into pulmonary medicine. I found those patients um, just to be the funnest group and the disease processes are very unique and there's hundreds of diseases so you can never, ever get bored. Wow. Now, are there times that uh, a patient will come to you and they're not able to get the air out of their lungs so they can't get new air in? Absolutely. And so that sensation when a patient's describing it, they unfortunately, all they can say is they can't breathe. And if you actually listen to their lungs and their speech patterns, sometimes they can say one or two words. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they can just say yes or no. But essentially um, what they will say is, I don't know why I can't get air in. And it's because their lungs themselves, your lungs will adapt to whatever you throw at them. And because over time they have inhaled a lot of air, their airways have narrowed or become inflamed and they can't push all of that air out, which is what we should be able to do in between breaths. The air kind of stacks and air stacking on top of air just causes lungs to stretch even more. You reach a capacity where the lungs have no more stretch and you actually cannot inhale because there's no place left for air to go. And it's a very terrifying situation. That would be very scary. Very scary. Well, uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm, I'm so glad you're back with us. Uh, we, I'm very interested in the things you have to talk about. So if you can stay with us a few minutes, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about lung cancer. We'll be right back on Health for Life. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% .9 of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life. Dr. Brown, as a pulmonologist, I'm sure that you see patients who have lung cancer. Can you tell us more about lung cancer? Yes, absolutely. So I do see patients that have lung cancer. I also see patients who unfortunately came to me for one reason or another and end up getting imaging and it shows something abnormal that might be lung cancer. So it's a unique situation. Now, lung cancer is not only something you get if you smoke. Fortunately or unfortunately, some people think that all smokers will develop lung cancer, and that's absolutely not true. There's lots of other things that go into making someone predisposed for lung cancer. People who don't smoke can develop lung cancer as well. So it's a matter of knowing the person's background. So for people who smoke, we know that the majority of a certain type of lung cancer is caused by cigarette smoke, which is why we try and hammer so hard to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. But there is a type of lung cancer that is prevalent in people who have never smoked and in individuals who are younger in age than the smoking-related cancers. So when we think about cancer in general of the lung, essentially if someone comes to me and I know that they are usually 
over 65. Um, I know they've been smoking for quite a while. I will have discussions with them about stopping smoking and really the main thing I'm trying to prevent happening is them being diagnosed with a lung cancer down the line because I know that 80% um, of lung cancer deaths unfortunately are due to smoking in former smokers as well as current smokers. That kind of weighs heavily as opposed to when I'm seeing a young person who has never smoked before unless they have a family history of lung cancer or an occupation that kind of makes lung cancer more worrisome. Um, now, what about secondhand smoke? There are quite a few spouses that I've had to diagnose with lung cancer who have never smoked a day in their lives, oh but goodness. they did live with individuals who smoked rather heavily, two to three or more packs per day, and their only risk factor actually is secondhand smoke. Well, you mentioned occupational hazards. A lot of factory workers in our town uh, maybe working around dust and things like that. Is that something that could contribute to lung cancer, or does it have to be something specific, a specific kind of dust or, or chemical? If you smoke and you also work around a chemical called asbestos, um, which has been used in everything, dental hygienists uh, were exposed to asbestos because it makes perfect molds for teeth. People who work in construction, uh, shipyards, military service, um, asbestos is a great insulator and it's fire retardant. So it, and it's inexpensive and found in the ground, so it's been used everywhere since the 1940s through present day. Those individuals are more prone to developing a type of cancer called mesothelioma that affects the lining of the lung. Individuals who work around silica, and a lot of people who work in construction will work around brick dust, which has silica in it, that unfortunately is a risk factor for lung cancer Does as silica well. come from sand? Silica does come from sand. Silica, in addition to being a risk for lung cancer, can also cause other lung diseases that may be permanent as well. But it is from sand or pounded ground-up cement will contain silica. Beryllium is another chemical that typically is harmless, but if you work around large quantities of it and do inhale it, it is a risk factor for cancer. Um, individuals that work around uranium and radon, which is a byproduct of decaying uranium, which is found ubiquitously. It's found in rocks and soil throughout the country. Is that radioactive? It is a radioactive material, and it is something that people do test for in homes. Radon out in the environment doesn't cause as much problems as when it's confined to a small space like a basement. Arsenic, which is not very prevalent here, but in other countries, they found it in China where there's high quantities of it actually in the drinking water, and that can lead to lung cancer. So there's quite a few chemical occupational exposures in addition to smoking, but unfortunately, tobacco, cigarette smoke is the most frequent cause for lung cancer in the United States. So you, you sometimes are with people who are around an occupational hazard and they smoke too. The person, unfortunately, with the occupational exposures, even if they smoke the same amount in the same number of years, the same cigarettes per day, has a higher incidence of developing lung cancer than the person who is just smoking. Got you. I understand. So your environment does play a huge role as well as your diet. People who eat more fruits and vegetables have a leaner diet. Uh, less likely to develop cancers, including lung cancer. So what are the foods we need to avoid? The foods that 
probably most people think tastes the best. Things that are that are high in fat, um, high in animal protein. So it's thought better to get your protein from nuts, vegetables instead. Overall, to lower one's cancer risk, it takes kind of a whole body approach. So yes, quitting smoking is absolutely number one, but also being fit, exercising. And when it comes to inhaled things, that would include cigars, e-cigarettes, vaping, marijuana can have tar in it. That also would predispose someone to lung cancer, but there's lots of there, there's lots of things actually that can increase one's risk for lung cancer. But you hear a lot of talk nowadays about vaping. And vaping is absolutely dangerous for a multitude of reasons. Um, with our current state of pandemic, vaping actually it decreases your immune system's ability to fight viruses. So vaping is considered a risk factor for lung cancer, but it's also considered a risk factor for getting sick with the current virus that we're all trying to battle, as well as any You're talking about COVID-19. Yes. I didn't want to give a plug to COVID. Um, it is <laughs> my least my least favorite friend right now. But yes, yeah, so, so the sars corona virus 2019, yes. also known as COVID-19, um, we have noted in individuals, especially people in their teens, 20s, and early 30s that are vaping and do get this virus, they unfortunately are sicker, end up on life supporter ventilators. Oh. So we're really hoping to convince people to stop vaping. It's not a great alternative to cigarette. It does not reduce your risk of developing lung cancer. Well, they've done a great and job it, in, in, in persuading people that it is. I have added no vaping or e-cigarettes to my <laughs> to ah. my counseling on tobacco cessation because lots of people, mostly they have a friend. My friend was able to quit cigarettes by using vaping. And I said, do you understand vaping is so new that the consequences of it are not even known yet? But we do know that it is a risk factor for lung cancer, we do know that there are chemicals in the vape that can deposit in the lung and cause damage to the lung tissue. So it is absolutely not a good alternative to no. cigarette smoke or tobacco no. smoke. Well, now there's a lot of people listening to, to this radio show that smoke. Uh, they may smoke cigars, pipes, um, or they may vape. What are some of the symptoms of lung cancer. So lung cancer, a cancer in general, unfortunately is usually symptomless unless it has become very advanced. And we like to catch people before that. So um, I will talk about early detection a little bit later, but um, some symptoms, if someone has a lung cancer, would be recurrent infections. On routine chest x-rays, something in the lung that could be cancer may look like a routine pneumonia. The person may have an annoying hacking cough, or they may have what's called a wet cough that produces sputum. Mm -hmm. They may have some fevers, low grade. And these things I'm saying sound very similar to someone who might have a cold or flu virus. Sure. But cancer is sneaky and it can present that way. They may have some chest discomfort, but cancer usually is not painful unless it's advanced and has gotten into bones. Lung cancer itself, if it's in the airway, that's usually when people will be more symptomatic with more of coughing, sometimes coughing up blood. Coughing up any amount of blood, I would say, uh, should be a red flag for you to see your primary care doctor or go to the emergency department. Weight loss is a symptom of cancer in general, but lung cancer, absolutely. And sometimes the person will notice I'm 
eating as much as I've always been eating and I'm still losing weight and that's a big red flag because cancer needs fuel and it will steal whatever it can from you. The lack of appetite uh, that happens when people have cancer is more of a later finding. So some of the early things seem pretty benign and you don't want to scare people but if you've had a cough and you're not someone who typically has a cough, call your doctor call your doctor. They could do a routine imaging or direct you to a pulmonologist that could help troubleshoot. And I have found individuals who had no symptom of cancer and were never on my radar for cancer. And I've done CT scans because they've had a persistent cough for weeks or months. And the CT scan has found sometimes uh, small cancer places and sometimes very large in people with no symptoms whatsoever. So I would say um, know your body. If you're experiencing a symptom, cough, shortness of breath, unusual chest discomfort, weight loss, coughing up blood, call your providers. No one is ever going to fault you for bringing a symptom to our attention. And you know you better than we could possibly know you. And we appreciate your help. Got you. I understand. We'll get a break here. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about the treatments available for lung cancer. We'll be right back on Health for Life. Right care, right time, right at home. Hamilton Physician Group now offers telehealth appointments through your mobile phone, tablet, or computer. Connect with your healthcare provider in the comfort of your own home. Call any Hamilton Physician Group office or visit hamiltonhealth.com telehealth to schedule your appointment. Most health insurance plans are accepted and self-pay options are available. Hamilton Physician Group, we're here for you. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. Welcome back to Health for Life today, talking with Dr. Angel Brown, Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care, a pulmonologist, and we've been talking about lung cancer. Uh, Dr. Brown, tell me, I want to talk about how lung cancer is treated. Before we get started on how it's treated, just briefly, let's talk about early detection and how we would find it. Oh, that's important. It is very important. So what we've done is empowered primary care care doctors, nurse practitioners, and physician's assistants. Um, We've given them some data and tools to know who to look for lung cancer in. So essentially, if you're 55 years to 77 years old, if you have a history of tobacco smoke um, where you've smoked more than 30 pack years, and pack years is strange medical talk for... What does that um, mean? If you smoked one pack of cigarettes a day... Um, for 30 years, that equals 30 pack years. Gotcha. If you've smoked two packs of cigarettes per day for 15 years, that is 30 pack years. So it's not uncommon for a pulmonologist to meet someone who has a 50 or 70 or 150 pack year history of tobacco when they are in fact not 150 years old. Okay. So we've given that information to doctors who are not lung doctors um, so that they know this person is at risk for lung cancer and maybe I should screen them. So the screening is actually something called a low-dose CT scan or CAT scan. And essentially what this is, something that provides a low dose of radiation enough so that it can look at the lung architecture or 
the meat of the lung, the airways of the lung, and identify any small speck, also known as a nodule, that's found in the lung. And based on your smoking history, if a nodule is found, it lets me know if you are someone who needs to be biopsied or triaged or followed for potential for lung cancer. So finding a nodule or abnormality in the lung is nothing that we want to alarm people with because most of the time these are benign or non-cancerous. But in our individuals who are smokers, especially heavy smokers who haven't quit in the past 15 years, there is a possibility that what we find with these low-dose screening CTs could be cancerous or could become cancerous. And so when we're thinking about treatment options, you have to determine, okay, is this nodule cancerous? The one way to determine that is a biopsy and a lung doctor such as myself can do what's called minimally invasive by taking a flexible catheter that goes into your airway and attempts to get a piece of the nodule or tumor that is sent to a pathologist who will look and say it's cancer or not cancer. Um, and then we usually, if it's cancerous, refer you to an oncologist for treatment. When it comes to lung cancer, pathologists typically have given us the naming of cancers and it's really to make it simple for clinicians to devise treatment strategies. So for lung cancer, we divide it into two broad topics, which makes life easy because each one is treated differently. So when we think of smokers, we think of something called small cell lung cancer, and it is more aggressive, uh, meaning that it usually is found in a person with no symptoms whatsoever, and it has already moved on from the lung to other parts of the body. Oh, no. Which we don't like. Um, we like to catch cancers. Um, before when, they spread. Before they spread, and that's why we do the low-dose screening, because we're catching cancers in people with no symptoms, so we hope we catch it before they spread. But for individuals with the small cell lung cancer, again, these are typically our smokers. Um, that cancer is aggressive, meaning it likes to spread quicker than others. And when we do find that, if we find it just in the lung, just in one part of the body, uh, the treatment actually is fairly straightforward. We like to apply some radiation to it, which shrinks it in size, and then remove it, and that can be a cure. Um, when you find that type of cancer, you do imaging of the entire body from the top of the head, usually down to the knees, to make sure there's no other cancer anywhere else in the body, and you know you could cure that particular cancer by shrinking it and removing it from the body. So that's small cell lung cancer, more aggressive, usually found at advanced stages. And when you find it and it has moved on from the lung to other places, the treatment would be chemotherapy, which is a chemical that is designed to attack the cancer cells because cancer cells like to grow and multiply and travel. Right. Um, you're given medicine that gets into your bloodstream that can travel throughout your entire body to try and contain and eradicate this cancer so that it does not develop in other parts to the body as well as removing it from the lung. Now when you do the biopsy, you go you go into the windpipe and you go down to the lungs and just take a little speck of that, correct? Yes. So depending on where the cancer is located, the idea would be to try and get a small sample in the center of that cancer. And the reason why you want to biopsy the cancer is one, 
you can tell what type it is, and then you can direct therapy to treat that specific type of cancer so that you're not subjecting a patient to um, something stronger than need be. But you can also do genetic testing on it to determine if there's a way to boost your own immune system to help suppress or fight that cancer in addition to the chemotherapy. And it's called immunotherapy, and those treatments are kinder and gentler on the body, but they also are treatments that can be given over longer periods of times, one to two years, to help suppress cancer. So if a person is too sick or they're older, they have lots of health problems, and they can't actually undergo surgery to remove a cancer, mm-hmm. immunotherapy is a good option. Their quality of life won't be as impacted as uh, chemotherapy. It's kind of the difference between using a atom bomb or a grenade uh, versus um, sending a caterpillar in to do the job. So the immunotherapy is nice, gentle. People usually don't suffer all of the side effects with the um, nausea, weight loss. Sometimes nerve damage can happen for chemotherapy. But using things like immunotherapy, which are newer forms to treat cancers, actually augment. So your immune system is beautiful and perfect, and it's designed to kind of keep your body in balance and your immune system produces cells that can say stop multiplying to cancer cells or it can produce cells that can actually boost your body's defense in killing cancer cells. So immunotherapy is tailored towards your immune system doing the work and it's less toxic. So a lot of oncologists actually are implementing that, especially for older people that are considered a little frail. Well, if you know, if I if I need the treatment, I would much prefer that because, as you said, it's not nearly as intense Absolutely. as the chemotherapy. Absolutely, and a lot of what people think of, because um, there are patients that I'll tell them that they do have cancer, and a lot of them will say, "Well, I don't want treatment because I have a loved one or a friend who went through chemotherapy 15, 20 years ago, and it was devastating. Yeah. People couldn't leave their homes; they were in pain. They lost as much weight or if not more than the cancer was causing because of the treatment. They Um, lost their hair. They lost their hair. And the idea when you treat someone's cancer is you want to prolong their life, but you want that life to have quality and meaning to it. You don't want people to just be around. You want them to enjoy the time that they're around. And immunotherapy um, seems to do a better job of providing a treatment cure as well as having a nice quality to one's life. I understand. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about smoking and some ways that if you do smoke, that you can quit. Thanks for listening. Health for Life. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today, talking with Dr. Angel Brown, Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care. Dr. Brown, I understand Hamilton's new lung nodule clinic is coming up. Tell us about that. 
Oh, happy to tell you about it. Very proud of our new lung nodule clinic. What Hamilton has done is we're partnered with pulmonary oncology, radiology, and pathology. And a primary care doctor will refer their patients to our clinic based on receiving a CT scan report um, that says they have a lung nodule. Um, we've decided that no matter the size, we want the patient referred to our clinic because it actually makes life easier for the primary care provider because pulmonologists, I feel, are the best physicians to follow these nodules, um, to review the CT imaging with the patient, explain what the abnormality might be. Um, but also, the patient gets plugged into the Hamilton Cancer and People Cancers Institute treatment facility. For patients, the point person will actually be a pulmonologist, usually myself, and that's because a lung nodule does not equal cancer. A lung nodule may actually be a scar or some other defect that doesn't require the oncologist or pathologist, but the determination is made with myself and the patient as to what needs to happen next. What we've done is we've provided primary care doctors with a helpful card to give to patients. Um, basically, it answers questions that we feel patients need to know the answers to, which include why have I been referred to a lung nodule clinic? The answer would be a lung nodule was found on your CT scan. I'll describe the lung nodule and the CT findings with the patient. Our goal is that no patient falls through the cracks with a pulmonary nodule, and we don't want anyone five months, six months, a year, or two years from now who had a nodule in 2020 now has a mass or something that is cancerous. Dr. Angel Brown, a pulmonologist at Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care. Dr. Brown, great having you on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. You know, one thing I'd like to, I wish we could have had more time to talk about, and that was smoking. Maybe we can have you back sometime. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Physician Group Specialty Care, call 706-529-3072 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash specialty care. And for more information on Hamilton's Lung Nodule Clinic, call this number, 706 529 is it time for a heart-to-heart? Ask your primary care physician if you should have a heart-to-heart with one of Hamilton Physician Group's board-certified cardiologists. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, this can be especially important. Hamilton Physician Group Cardiology, located at 1436 Broderick Drive in Dalton. Call 706-226-3434 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash cardiology. That's 706-226-3434. Be a hero. Stop a stroke. If you think someone you're with is having a stroke, ask him to smile. Does his face droop? Have him raise both arms. Does one arm drift down? Can he repeat a simple phrase without slurring? If you see even one of these symptoms, call 911 right away. Hamilton Medical Center has a nationally ranked, highly trained rapid stroke team ready to care for you. Hamilton Medical Center, health for life. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 